0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.06 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 3rd of November 2020. You know what day that is, right? <laughs> That's election day. Oh, yay. I'm so happy for election day. Oh, oh, no, actually I'm I'm not all that happy. I I I'm I'm kind of exhausted. I do want it to be over, but that's that's the real trick now, is it? Isn't it? Is it going to be actually over? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I hope we end up with some kind of resolution and I I honestly kind of don't care which way it goes. I I there I mean how many times has an election occurred a where it was the the most important election of your life <clears throat> and b uh that if the other side won you were going to be ground up into hamburger and fed to alligators and neither one of those has ever been true I mean that's why I'm not all that worried about which one of these idiots win um it doesn't It doesn't matter. We have bigger fish to fry at this point. I think it's a more, at this point, I think Bitcoin is sort of a moral imperative to pay more attention to than anything else because it's the one thing that has a real hope in hell of actually being the most important election of your life. And if it doesn't win, you being chopped up into mincemeat and fed to crocodiles. So with that, um, it ha- not only is it Election Day, but is also the day of the second ever interview that I've performed. This is going to be with Scott Sibley of Shamari And we're going to talk about the development of the game and you know, what why he decided to do a game, why it's a card game, you know? Um, a little bit about education in gaming. He comes from an educational background, and I, I find that interesting. It's also interesting that... It just so happens that him and his dad have been working on a website that I first found like four years ago, three years ago. And I had no idea who Scott was. I, you know, I was just barely dipping my toe into, you know, into Bitcoin at the time. And, um, and I looked at, the, I found this website because I was into visualization of large data sets and, I just that was sort of like, you know, one of the things that I did at work was look for look for things that that, you know, fit that bill. And I ran across uh, this particular website about mapping your education. And it looks like a map of geography, like countries with borders and stuff like that. Very interesting way to present uh, a pathway to education. And in fact, I talked to Scott and I think we're going to do a second interview, uh, probably not not until after Thanksgiving, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, earlier than that. I don't want to, I don't want to stack the same guests, you know, that close together because for, you know, maybe, maybe I should, but it just doesn't seem like that would be a good idea. But he's going to come back and talk about that particular website because that's, um, you know, in the the notions behind what, you know, why the website exists. And we're going to talk about that uh, on our next interview when we do it. But we're going to, you know, we get into how the game was developed. I mean, all the, even all the way down to selection of cardstock and color scheme and, you know, how the monsters in the game, Shamari were created, some of the mechanics behind it, what was given up. For, you know, what kind of mechanics had to not be there so that other mechanics could be there. You know, at what point did things get too confusing that, you know, kids couldn't play it. All kinds of stuff. And the fact that he is getting mentioned in Newsweek. I think it was, I think he announced that um, Friday or Saturday or possibly even yesterday. But the new Newsweek was coming out and Shamari won. Out of I can't remember how many entrants, a lot of entrants for for this award or this mention in Newsweek, and I think they only selected 60. And Shamri was one of them, and it was a the I, it has something to do with um, uh, the fact that it is a STEM game, and STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And Shamri is a recipient of a STEM authentication, and that's. And that's, I mean, that's impressive. It really is. This game has come a long way from the time that I started talking about it before I even had it in my hands, all the way to playing it with my kids and getting Scott Sibley on to, uh, to talk about the development. So we're going to get into that. But first, we have other things to talk about. Not, and we're not going to really do about news. I'm going to do a, a little bit of an announcement here. But first up on deck, Lightning Pool. I'm getting a little bit blown away here. Um, let's let <clears throat> let's let roast beef uh, from Lightning Labs talk a little bit about Lightning Pool. Uh, we're not I'm not going to read the technical deep dive because this entire blog post that that I'm looking at, which was published yesterday, <clears throat> is beefy. Talk about roast beef keeping his name, man. This thing is beefy. It is packed, freaking full and it's got all kinds of neat stuff thankfully there's a little bit of a breakdown of what this whole lightning pool is at the very top so let's just run into it today we're excited to announce our alpha release of lightning pool a new non-custodial marketplace that connects people who want to buy inbound liquidity with those looking to earn a return on their bitcoin in lightning channels promoting more efficient capital allocation on the lightning network In this post, we'll be doing a deep dive into the architecture and the design of the marketplace. The marketplace has two natural sides. There's a taker side and a maker side. And let's look at the taker side first. These are nodes that need to receive funds over Lightning, but cannot signal to the network a need for inbound liquidity. They submit a a bid on pool uh, to purchase new inbound liquidity from a maker. And the examples would be people who need it would be people like merchants, exchanges, wallets, services, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then alternate terms for this would be the buyer or the purchaser. Then there's the maker side of the marketplace. And the description to that would be nodes that need help efficiently allocating capital over lightning because they can't determine where their lightning capital is best allocated. Capitalism, the allocation of capital. So the solution is to submit an ask on Pool, the lightning Pool, Pool pool with a capital P, P P-O-O-L, to lease their existing outbound liquidity to a taker. And examples of this would be well-capitalized routing nodes, exchanges, and the alternate terms would be the seller or lessee. Okay, so Pool is a non-custodial marketplace consisting of auctions that allow participants to buy and sell lightning channel leases, or LCLs. An LCL LCL packages up inbound or outbound channel liquidity uh, uh, and is a hybrid asset that has elements of a traditional fixed income asset, like a bond, and and peering agreements as used on the Internet to help coordinate the allocation of bandwidth between ISPs, similar to traditional bonds, An LCL has a maturity date expressed in blocks. This is amazing. The maturity date of an LCL is enforced by Bitcoin contracts, ensuring that the buyer of a contract is able to utilize the least capital for a set period of time, paying interest to the seller of the LCL over the duration of the contract. Lightning Labs serves as the auctioneer in the marketplace, with the auction itself being a non-custodial, sealed bid, uniform clearing price, double call auction. Don't worry. Each term is explained in detail below, which runs roughly guess you guessed it every 10 minutes. With each successful auction batch, participants are able to discover the current pre-block lease rate or block percentage yield or BPY for capital in the Lightning Network. All cleared orders in a batch are executed using a single batch transaction, allowing participants to pay lower chain fees compared to non-batched channel opening. Starting today, uh, and this was, make sure the date. Yeah, this was yesterday. Starting yesterday, users can open the open source client, alpha client of Pool, P-O-O-L-D, Pooled, to participate in the auction by either buying or selling channel these contracts using the Pool CLI tool or the RPC API. An instance of Pooled is backed by an active LND node similar to looped L-O-O-P-D in the alpha A single pooled buys channels for the designated LND nodes and uses funds from the LND node to sell channels. As a non-custodial system, when users use pooled to participate in the auction, they remain in control of their funds at all times from the moment they open an account. <clears throat> through the process of clearing and and execution of their first contract, a combination of client side verification and Bitcoin contracts are used to allow clients to verify and validate each component of the system. Holy shit! The, the a marketplace for your Lightning channels. I mean, I, I like I said. I mean, I may get the following wrong, but it seems to me that what I would be able to do is uh fund my lightning node, which I keep like non-custodially on top of my desk in, in, you know, packaged in with my node and offer those chant offer some channels up for bidding in pooled. I, if that's true, this is going to be big for people, you know, like merchants and exchanges and wallets and services. And one of the first people that I'm thinking of is Jack Mallard's. I mean, Jack seems like the perfect person, and, and the other Jack too, if they finally get off their ass over at Square Crypto and start activating Lightning, would that would be a perfect buyer for this kind of thing? I mean, at least I think so. Not not exactly sure. I mean, of course, they could also be it could also be the perfect maker. With this this auction is gonna be really, really, really fun to watch. And it seems that let me see if I've I've still got it. I don't, there's a guy, oh, there's a guy that has, um, made a, uh, a Twitter account. That's a, it's a Twitter bot that looks at what's going on on pooled. And I am so remiss. I guarantee you, you will see it. Keep, keep an eye out for like the, you know, the lightning pool, uh, tweets and stuff like that. And you will probably find it. I think it, oh, wait, no, no, no. Here it is. Here it is. A community member has already built this bot that will report rates as new batches clear. Hopefully, that will tide you over. And that, that, um, that Twitter account is at lightningpool. All one word. The word lightning, the word pool, like a swimming pool. All one word. No spaces. Type it in. Follow that bot and, and see what's going on. But this is going to be freaking tremendous, I think. Anyway, so how am I still seeing red candles? I mean, with Dan Moorhead tweeting out the following, I don't know how I'm, I don't know how I've been seeing red candles because he's like saying, this is like 16 hours ago, pre having cash app was buying 20% of all newly issued BTC and now it's 40%. Now I don't know where he's getting, where, where he's getting that. Okay. I just, I don't, I wish I did, but I don't, um, but if you know if dan is right and you know this is you know pantera capital right i don't think dan moorhead of pantera capital is going to just be lying through his teeth on social media he may you know you know but people do weird things all the time but that's bad for business and i don't think dan wants to have bad business in either event if this is true how the hell am i seeing red candles for that matter how are you seeing red candles i don't get it because 40 percent of all uh newly minted bitcoin going into the hands of just square? Should we should be why aren't I fifty points ahead? I whatever. Okay, look, Breeze. Okay, Breeze has a has a slight update here. Uh a great new update is headed your way. We know you've been waiting for these. They have added 30 plus new fiat currencies and support for LNURL's dash auth packages rolling out now. So If you're a Breeze Wallet user, you've got some more features coming your way. And I'm always excited to hear about support for LNURL. Now, let's run the numbers. Oil bouncing back. It's bouncing back, buddy. Almost up four points today in futures. Uh, it's going to be trading at thirty-eight dollars and twenty-three cents. Brent North Sea is up three and a half. It's going to be trading at around forty dollars and thirty-five cents per barrel when the market opens. Natural gas doing its weird thing. It's down three point or a two point three seven percent. It'll open at three dollars and sixteen cents per thousand cubic feet. Metal looking i good. This gold is over nineteen hundred dollars again. It's up almost half a point. Silver is at $24.31. Platinum is up 2% to eight eight hundred $877. I still don't understand why platinum is less of a price than gold. I don't know. It's, I I thought platinum was actually even in less supply than gold. And if that were true, then the price should actually be higher. I, and I don't know. My wedding ring is made out of platinum. I chose it over gold because it's heavier. And it's kind of prettier. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what's going on with index futures? Oh, we're saved upon this election day. Election day be praised. I'm being facetious. It's 1.66% to the upside on the Dow futures. We have one36 to the upside on S&P. Uh, NASDAQ futures lagging. It's only up three quarters. And the S&P mini is up 1.64%. Let's see what's going on with real money. Bitcoin. Floating around 13,530. I got a high over at Bit Asset. Looks like it's gonna be 13,555. My low is gonna be is it gonna be hit? It's gonna be hit BTC at $13,528.91. And holy crap, in the scant number of transactions, and we're talking about 288,216 transactions. And I've seen I've seen that number go as high as uh 350,000 transactions uh as capacity in 24 hours that's 12 only 12,000 transactions on average per hour and yet it the bitcoin network has still carried over 3 million BTC in the last 24 hours that's 127,764 BTC being sent around the horn every hour on the hour and that's 1.7 billion dollars y'all The average transaction value is 10.64 BTC. Median transaction value is really high at 0.063 BTC, which is about 850 bucks. Despite a massive 16% downward difficulty adjustment, our block times are still at 12 minutes. It's weird, but 2.2 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 264 and a quarter BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate has seen a nosedive. It's a mighty down spiral, man. It's 17.63% to the downside, bringing us all the way down to the doldrums of 101.4 exahashes per second, which is what it was, what, four months ago, six months ago? (laughs) Ethereum, 380. Bcash, 242. Litecoin fifty two, almost fifty-three BSV, I don't care. Ethereum Classic is under five. It's at four dollars and eighty-four cents. And Dogecoin still holding its nose at zero point zero zero two five with forty one thousand transactions. It's beating out Ethereum Classic and Bcash, which is ooh, seventeen thousand nine hundred and sixty six. Shit, Litecoin's got nine 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 sorry ninety thousand transactions in the last twenty four hours. Somebody please tell me why all of a sudden the Litecoin network seems to be doing stuff. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But oh, uh, uh, on an aside, if you haven't seen the new Bitcoin and Friends episode, they open up with an advertisement for Lolly. And if you've been in the space for any length of time, if you're not laughing within fifty-seven seconds of that thing opening up, then you're you're just not a fun person. There are 54,000 transactions waiting to clear, and it's going to take 62 blocks to clear it. We have a price or uh, Clark Moody is looking at a price of 13,528. Running the numbers gives us 18,532,594.15 BTC is in the network at this point. Uh, let's see here. We have uh, 1,039.34 BTC in the, in the uh, Lightning Network capacity, which we've seen a steady decrease of BTC in the Lightning Network, and yet the capacity value continues to rise with the price. We are at $14.1 million in the Lightning Network, over 7,465 nodes representing 35,478 channels that can now be auctioned for lease, apparently. In the uh, Tor side of the Lightning Network, we are holding at fifty point three percent, and we have five hundred twenty three point two four BTC in the Lightning side, or in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's running over two thousand four hundred eighty five nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Scott is my guest today on Bitcoin and he's the maker of the Shamri game. Uh, the card game that we if you went to Bitblock Boom, you got one in your swag bag. So uh, Scott, I'd like to welcome you to Bitcoin and how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, David. It's nice to actually be on the program instead of hearing you talk about Shamri. So glad to glad to be here.
0: Yeah, it's a long time coming. I, I did the first interview uh, of this show actually yesterday, so you are guest number two, man. Um, awesome. And looks like uh, I've got some. Uh, may have somebody else lined up after this. We'll we'll see how this we'll see how this goes. But um, ag- again, just to make sure that the listeners understand, you or Scott is it Silby pronounced? Is that pronounced that right? Yeah. Sibley. Sibley, okay. Just sure. wanted to make sure because I have this nasty habit of mispronouncing everybody's name on the face of the planet. Um, and you are. Are you, are you solo on the making of the Shammary uh, card game?
1: Yes, I would say it came out of my brain, but my wife definitely helps out with a lot of the uh, packing and other uh, items here and there. Um, so it's it's a team effort.
0: Okay. Well, then before you know we roll into the aspects of this particular game and what it is and what it does... Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your, your background, because what I'm, inter- what I'm really interested in, in just not only just hearing somebody's background is how on earth did you come to, you know, producing a, you know, a card game about Bitcoin is your back. I'm not seeing that your background has anything to do with, with gaming game development of any kind. So Can you kind of take me through your background and what led you to coming up with a card game?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, It is a a unique kind of zig and zag to to get where we are today. Um, Take it all the way back. I'm born and raised in San Diego. Um, Hard place to leave. Uh, Huge Padre fan. Uh, Used to be a huge Charger fan. Now I hope they uh, die every Sunday. But kind of got the uh, the San Diego lifestyle. Um, I come from a family that kind of has um, a lineage of, for lack of a better word, educators. So my mom was a 30 plus year teacher. Uh, my dad has an ed tech company. I've got a lot of family that are teachers that are out there. So kind of the, the education side of things was always around me um, growing up. I saw, um, I guess I would say I saw the uh, the enjoyment of teaching people other things, um, but I also saw the, uh, the negative of not wanting to go into that field around, you know, for lack of better words, I don't want to get paid like a teacher. Um, So I kind of went the the more business route growing up. Um, So I actually have a background in accounting um, is where my first professional uh, foray took me. And if I kind of really think about it, I was in the audit side of things. And when you think about auditing, it's all about verification um, and third parties coming in and and saying if something's right or not. Um, And then leaving a trail to make sure um, somebody else can do the exact same thing. And Honestly, that's the heart of Bitcoin, a lot of it. Um, It's going back to that verification, and that was in the mid-2000s when I was doing that. So before anybody knew the word Bitcoin, but um, if I think about it, that's kind of where some of this came about, but I uh, um, really enjoy being creative. Uh, That's another part of my background that I think um, I get a lot of just self-satisfaction about um, and kind of being able to mix education and creativity um, it's kind of a shorter version of of my journey thus far
0: okay then um you've mentioned a couple of things well you you mentioned edtech uh mm-hmm. a couple of times, and that was I've actually got that written down in my notes because I saw that in uh I was doing some background research on the the blog for Shaari, which actually mm-hmm. is a, uh, thank you for putting that together. That's actually a, a the blog section of those Shamari websites, uh, very informative and it's no, v- seems very well kept up too. It's not like you, there's like one blog post and then like, you know, that's it. And yeah, uh, there's nice. lots of good stuff, but can, can you, I'm, I'm assuming ed tech is short for educational technologies. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Can, can, can you kind of take me through what that is or what your version of that is?
1: Yeah. So, um, I guess, like you said, short version, it's any kind of technology that's focused on some form of education um, where I've, and full disclosure, so Shamari isn't my full-time job just yet. I actually still work in the field at a company called Journeys Map. Um, we're a startup here in San Diego, um, focused on kind of, in simple terms, um, we've created Google Maps for learning. So instead of going to a map and getting driving directions. Um, It's a map that literally can drive you from eighth grade to becoming a video game designer um, or a career transition from point A to point B. And um, I've been with different versions of this company since 2008 or nine, around there. So a while Um, going back into different fields, we've had a handful of products all focused um, on the education space. So uh, whether it's a, a reading product that I used to run, um just kind of data warehouse and management and reporting sold to, to districts um so it's really just that kind of platform and really especially with the covid and the pandemic and and uh, the move to distance learning we kind of saw that happening anyways um so nothing that's happening right now is really a surprise in, in our eyes it's all just shifting to that space a lot faster um and you know it's having its hiccups no, no doubt but um, really this kind of new age of of how you learn and, and not needing to go sit in a, a school for eight hours a day. Um, I know Dave and I were talking before, I have a, a one, almost one and a half year old. Obviously she's not going to school just yet, but I truly don't think she ever will. Not in the the way that we traditionally think about it. Um, it'll mm-hmm. probably be a mixture of you know uh, self-education, homeschool, different groups, that sort of thing that um, really uh, how she grows up, uh, at least out, that's how my wife and I think about it.
0: Yeah, that actually does make a, a, you know, a huge amount of sense. You know, it's, especially with the way that, you know, things seem to be, you know, larger systems, whether they're all the way from, you know, nation state, all the way down to internal systems inside nation state seem to be coming unglued. Mm -hmm. And we we see the pieces of these, these larger systems as, you know, I'm starting to see pieces fall off. And I'm like, Oh, that's like an you know an aggregate and concrete and now here we have the concrete breaking up and use a couple of rocks roll out and it's like well that is part of what makes up the structure of the whole concrete and i'm getting to the mm-hmm. point now where i see you know like small educational groups i can see those popping up like we see you know a twitter account pop up or yep. you know sort of like this we're in this we're in this weird phase right now and i i'm really excited about the mixture of uh, you know, homeschooling, the use of computers, which in education, which brings me to my, you know, my next question, which I actually just wrote down. Is that your one-year-old or a dog?
1: That's the dog and the one-year-old the on the way. So you get a threesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. Um, um, I was going to talk like, cause one of the, the, uh, uh, the interview that I did, the first interview that I did was with Samson Mo and, uh, Wayne Wong Chong from Infinite Fleet, and we had a discussion about you know education in video games because Samson mm-hmm. Moe is you know behind this you know new video game that's coming out, hopefully it will come out twenty twenty one, called Infinite Fleet, and we had a small discussion about education and gaming in video games. Do you have any I'm, since we're talking about technology and ed tech? Do you have any views on that? Is it uh, something that's worthwhile, or do you think about it that much, or?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's part of something that we kind of think about, um, whether it's at Journey's Map or, or in general, we think kind of that gamification of life um, is what's happening. Um, and so just anything that can help increase engagement um, of an individual to want them to kind of self-direct um, their learning process is really where I think it's it's all heading. Um, just like, I don't know about you, but for myself, nobody told me to to start learning about Bitcoin. Um, i became interested uh, you know because first i saw the number going up so that sucked me in but then i was enough interested over the past three years to to keep learning more and more uh, without having to be told to do it same sort of thing in a, a gaming type environment where um, if that's your your cup of tea and how you want to kind of start learning then uh, i'm all for it and i just i was on a call earlier today with a group of uh one of the cyber industry um, large cyber company out here in san diego um, and they've just about um, are releasing it's called a a cyber range where essentially individuals can go to get um, work-based learning type experience in the cyber field which is absolutely booming um, so that they can start to get their feet wet in kind of what it's actually like to go through and and be in kind of on uh, the front lines of the cyber force for uh, the industry today and and that's the same sort of gamification that you can get from you know minecraft or, or other games that are out there so yeah, I think they are, are definitely on the right track as well as anybody else who's trying to put that spin on, um, learning and education.
0: Okay. So is, would you say that Shamri was kind of, uh, was pretty much born out of what we were just talking about the, the need for education and, uh, and kind of gamifying it, or at least, you know, funifying it in, in, for lack of a better term.
1: Definitely. And then I guess the other component that I would say is I saw that there was a, at least in my mind, a huge gap when it came to um, being able to reach that younger audience um, in the space. So much of what what's going on, while it's awesome and should be going on, is focused on the actual adopters and the technology and uh, hardware wallets and and you name it. But you know, your seven year old or your eleven year old, they're not going to care about that yet. There needs to be something down there for them to gravitate towards. And the other component of that was part of my at least. Uh, uh, my skill set that I think is out there is being able to really try to simplify a complex thing as much as possible. Um, so it was my attempt of simplifying how how Bitcoin and the blockchain works, making it fun, gaming it, um, and making it so it's a, a five-year-old or a 50-year-old, it doesn't matter. They can pick up the deck and go.
0: Yeah, uh, I I think the product is the the only product that I know. Well, actually, BitPiggies, you mm-hmm. guys, and um, there was one other one. It's about a ledger. It's a couple of ledgers. Yeah th- those th- those three uh, products uh taken in you know taken together are the only ones that I, I truly know of that are actually targeting children and it, that does make a lot of sense because my children you know even my oldest has never seen a day without bitcoin not mm-hmm. because I'm I'm you know well yes they've they've been listening to podcasts since they were very little <laughs> you can't help that one. Uh, but the fact that they were just born after, you know, January 3rd, 2009, that Mm -hmm. was the, you know, that was the strike of the very first, you know, mind block. So they've never seen it. And we've got an entire group of, you know, an entire demographic of the population that are growing up. And as far as I can tell, there's only three products that are, that are targeting, targeting them. And I think that that's uh, that's a kind of a gaping hole. So w- w- while we have this transition available to us to go get into this, can you tell us what, what is Shomri? I mean, I know what it is, but there may be a lot of people that, that haven't seen it yet or, you know, didn't get their deck at BitBlockBoom. So can you take me through it?
1: Sure. Of course. Uh, um, first off, hopefully everybody who did get that deck at Bitblock BitBlockBoom is, uh, enjoying it. Uh, but Shamri um, is a Bitcoin card game. So it's literally a, a physical game. So um, come to the website, you'll be able to, to get it in the mail like old school. Uh, I did that on purpose. Um, um, I've had people say, oh, you know, it can be an app or whatnot, which it can be. And maybe one day I'll go there. But I, I wanted to bring a sense of physical to what is a, a heavily digital space, um, especially for the, the young kids. So uh, that was part of the reason I, I chose a physical version of the game instead of creating an app. Um, But it's a a game that essentially walks individuals through the process of mining the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, There are various card sets and a dice. Um, The user uh, uh, is able to go through and the way I broke it down is, uh, what the way I broke the mining process down, I guess I should say is there's a lot of things going on. So let's not get lost in the the extreme technicals. Um, I came down to say, okay, there's a nonce and there's a target. Um, if those two things, for lack of better words, match up, that mi- that block isn't going to get mined. Um, and when I broke it down as simple as that in my brain, I said that's just playing the game of memory. Um, we've all played the game of memory as a kid; probably had fun doing it. And that's really what what set me off down the the rabbit hole of creating things where the players are going to lay down the nonce cards, nonce cards, um, stack up the target cards, flip one over, um, they roll a dice to see if they get to mine or not. If they do, and they match things up a block is going to get mined, they're going to get a reward, and they're going to go on continuing to play. Um, The two other caveats that comes in here are attacks and difficulty adjustments. So if you roll the dice and one of the sides has an attack guy on it, if that attack card that gets laid next to the block gets higher than the chain that you've started to mine, then your chain has essentially been 50% attacked um, and the game starts over. Um, So trying to weave that into play. And then lastly, um, difficulty adjustments. Um, there's cards that can get flipped over that can actually make the game get a little harder. I um, mean, you can kind of choose the difficulty that you want to start with, you know, for the younger kids, um, probably in the low settings, if you, if you get become more of an expert, get all uh, difficulty adjustment cards in there and, and go from there. I wouldn't advise it, but, but hey, go for it. But that's just kind of a simple way of uh, learning about Bitcoin. Part of, I kind of think of it as three steps, um, Bitcoin awareness, Bitcoin education, and then adoption. Um, those are kind of the, the three steps in my mind. That kind of lead a person down to to where we all um, all envision people going. Um, this game um, hopefully starts that awareness at a very young age, um, as well as the education that will then lead um, into the adoption.
0: Well, when 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 was it that you first came up with this? I mean, did it was is it one of those things where you just go, was there an aha moment, or was there was this mm-hmm. a situation where just kind of simmered in the background and, and more and more ingredients were added to it. How did that work? Was, was it an aha moment or? Yeah,
1: it was probably a, a little bit of both. So um, it was probably in, you know, uh, 2018 or so, uh, early 2018 that I um, kind of said, you know, I'm really interested in this. I want to find a way to, to be more involved in the space just in general. Um, it then took me a you know a little while to figure out what that actually meant you know was I gonna go off and apply to companies was I gonna um, uh, create something who knows um, but it was probably early 2019 uh, when I kind of had the idea around uh, the game side of things because of the like we talked about earlier the gap in the space um, there's definitely a, a few different versions um, that rolled through my heads um, if you if I were to share the uh, and maybe I actually will one day um, the early prototypes that I was just making of what these cards looked like. And they're definitely not as fun and, and vibrant as I know your kids enjoyed seeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was part of that process to, to kind of figure that out. The rules of the game, actually the very first version of the game I came up with actually focused on similar concept, but um, instead of using characters, I thought of a way to make it. So it was actually math problem related, um, which I uh-huh. could, which was, I think, is a still a good idea, but it's definitely not as fun um, and a little bit more complicated. And so I, I had to scale it back and um, get kind of get even simpler um, and hopefully, I think, more engaging. So uh, but it definitely went through a lot of different versions over probably about a year. Um, and right. then it was uh, early 2020 when I kind of had this laid out, um, got the characters and everything finalized in around February or so. Um, and in March, um, sent it off for uh, production, you know, so right as COVID hit, um, and started taking pre-orders, um, a little after that and, and started shipping things out in July.
0: Okay. Well, uh, then why, why a card game? You could have done a board game. You could have done an app like, you know, other people were saying, mm-hmm. uh, or you, but you could have done any number of, of physical games. What was, were you? Did you have like a history of playing, you know, I don't know, Pokemon or something like that when you were, you know, in your younger days or why, why the card format?
1: I think it was probably just because once my brain clicked it back to the game of memory, which is a card game, that's probably just kind of where I then started revolving everything around to make it all work. That's probably uh, uh, the simple answer. Never really thought about it like that, but I think that's probably why uh, it kind of came out like this. The only, I guess, added component component outside of the game. Of memory is the addition of a dice which actually proved to be a somewhat difficult uh not difficult but uh it made the production uh, actual printing of things a little more complicated but um uh, that's another story
0: well yeah the but but still it's like you you know because when i said sit down with my kids and i you know when i play this game especially well obviously the, the very first time that cause I'm learning how to play it along with my kids, you know, yep. the, the first, like, you know, now it's not that big of a deal clearly, but you know, the very first time you know, I'm laying it down and I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing like, you know, three completely separate sections, you know, one's the memory game. Mm-hmm. And yet you were able to kind of, I don't know, mesh that in with the attack surface segment And then we've got, you know, we've got dice rolling and somehow or another, it all just ends up kind of working, you know, together. And what I'm going to get, I I need to, I guess I just am going to go ahead and state that I'm assuming that it just, did it just organically come together after a while where you were just going, yeah, this is sort of the way I want it to roll out. Or did you have to fight every step of the way? to get it to where things worked with the, like the, the difference. Cause when I'm looking at a game, when I'm looking at the game, laid out on a table, I'm seeing different sections. Mm-hmm. I see this, you know, the attack surface section. I see the memory section. I get the die you know, the dice roll stuff. Was it just tearing it out tooth and nail or was there a part where it came and, and said, you know, like where the universe came together and said, you've worked really hard on this, Scott, it's just now come together. Was yeah. it like that Can at we- all
1: or what? Probably in the middle. I would say the hardest part was continuing to try to uh, simplify it. So I think part of the simplification that you're um, calling out there is the ability to then see those different components, Um, whereas at the early versions of the game, I don't think you would have seen it um, because there was too many different layers trying to be um, uh, rolled into everything that's going on. And so Mm. I think the simpler it got, which was kind of an organic, it wasn't easy but I guess organic in the sense that, you know, I'd sit down, I'd play it with my wife or I'd play it with uh, my wife and my uh, brother and sister-in-law. Um, I'd kind of just, and none of, none of those three have anything to do with Bitcoin. Um, so it was really a very neutral uh, audience. Um, I got to kind of see what their reactions were um, how long the game took, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then go back. And I guess the way my brain works is I'll, you know, be listening to a podcast or I'll be just you know, doing my other work or being on a run and something will pop in my head. And I'd be like, ah, I, I want to tweak this like that. You know, make a little note in your iPhone, get back over, redo another version of it or tweak the rule a little bit, go back play again. Um, so it's just kind of a process like that where I'd, I'd have random thoughts pop in my head. I'd jot them down or, and go through and, um, work out that process. And, and honestly, part of the reason, um, I chose when I created this to not have a, um, a physical direction kind of pamphlet in the box itself is because I knew that no matter how many times I kind of tested it out on my head, people who were playing it at the beginning were going to provide some feedback. So that's why I chose to go with the kind of the living directions on the website um, with the video. Uh, which I think I tweaked after some of your earlier suggestions uh, going back a few months, as well as a few other people, just because I, that's the best way to go through and, and get the feedback from the people who are actually playing it.
0: Right. And this, you know, kind of leads me into the uh, aspect of, you know, the game development. This will be like, you know, the third section of the interview here is now when all this stuff is going on, when, when I'm playing, you know, when I'm playing the game and my kids, you know, my kids are not going to notice, but I'm, you know, I notice that there must have been well. There's some things in the technology that actually happens behind Bitcoin that clearly was left out. Probably had to be left out. Can you tell us what what is it that you had to give up to not go in the game because it just wasn't fitting right? Unless I'm completely yeah. wrong, and and you were like, no, everything could have you know, everything that that is Bitcoin is is actually in there.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest. When I first started creating it, um, the one that I had probably the hardest time whittling things down on is um, what the block cards had on it. Um, And when I first tried to kind of squeeze everything on these cards, I was trying to make it super real. So, you know, okay, you know, the block has, it's got the hashes, um, it's got the timestamp, it's got the... uh, 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 the subsidy, the reward, everything. It's trying to get it fit into the small space and it just, it didn't work. Um, And it's just too complex for for where we're at. Um, So they're all, like you said, there's tons of other things going on here, but um, that doesn't really matter uh, when it comes to this. Just get the game in front of, get the the concepts and the terminology and the word Bitcoin in front of people. And then that really started simplifying it for me. And so now if you look at the block um, cards, Um, You'll see on there, you know, there's one of the characters, um, there's a chain connecting everything. And then one little thing that I'm sure your eye probably picked up on um, is at the top and the bottom of each are, it's the actual hashes from those um, height one through uh, height 10 um, Mm -hmm. from those actual blocks, which, you know, a five-year-old is not going to know that. But I was able to kind of get that little uh, nugget in there um, for somebody who may uh, be looking at it and be able to say, okay, this, you know, this, this game actually knows what it's talking about. Um, and one day I'll tell my son or my daughter, you know, what that piece of the game is actually about. Mm-hmm. But for now, let's just have fun and play.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and so this, you know, that's sort of the that philosophy of do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good yeah, or the exactly. good enough. And, you know, and this actually brings me, you know, to a question um, that I was going to ask later, but wait, where was it? Oh, how did that brings up the question, how did you, how did you know that you were finished at what mm-hmm. point were were you like looking and at what you had on the table? I'm sure you had several prototypes. You've been through a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. And finally at one point or another, was it a, I got to get this shit, you know, published and shipped, or was it, I think I'm good to go. Wh- which, which, which one won?
1: Um, it's probably both and part of partly due to um, uh, kind of, the pandemic and everything because like I said it was kind of right when everything was starting to hit when I started to get to the end of the road um in my mind um mm-hmm. and kind of uh you know my full time job went work from home um which didn't necessarily open up more uh work time necessarily but it cut down on a lot of other things driving and whatnot so I said you know what um that I got a lot going on. There's a real you know full time job there's a, a one year old there's everything that goes along with that. But I'm using just time, however long it is, to, to get this game out there. Um, and so that was kind of the tipping point. And once I saw, um, it was before that, um, all that happened, but once I saw kind of the uh, the monsters and the way the cards in the, the final version started looking um, from the, the designer I was working with, I said, okay, these things are, um, at least I thought they were super cool. They seem to be resonating with everybody who sees them, not just young kids, but but adults alike. Um, I knew I kind of had something that could could bridge the gap between the, really essentially all the generations so that that mixture kind of was what you know in you know q1 of this year kind of pushed me to say okay let's let's go get some of these manufactured and see where all this goes
0: well what was the if you were to pick one part of this entire process as far as as developing the game and the game mechanics can you pinpoint what the hardest part the hardest nut to crack on that whole thing was good question
1: um only hard because i probably went through so many different versions of it i guess the hardest the hardest part partly actually was the balance between um the ease and difficulty of actually playing it so um and that the way i solved it was kind of how uh, the game is played today where you get to kind of choose how hard you want to make it. So, for example, um, we had versions where rule versions where you'd start the game um, with you know more difficulty adjustment cards down, but then we just kept hitting either you know, your your chain was getting attacked or the game was taking way too long, and, and nobody wants to be sitting there for um, thirty minutes and playing a game like these things should be fast, um, and mm-hmm. you can know, play them more than once if you want. So, it was finding that balance between staying true to to what goes on. Um, related to Bitcoin and, and the way the blockchain works um, and making the game fun, fast, simple um, through that kind of difficulty adjustment um, mannerism that, that's worked in there.
0: Yeah, the the being able to play multiple rounds, it ends up being one of my very favorite parts about the game, even though that it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's, there's, there's colors and there's, you know, there there's all kinds of educational aspects that I, and I love the whole thing, but the fact that I can play it three times with my kids inside of, you know, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. they, they love that because we're talking about, we're talking about children here. I mean, we, it's bad enough with, you know, media has just rotted our attention spans as adults, you know, kids they have to learn an attention span. And (laughs) I think that being able to play multiple rounds, you know, three or four is a perfect, a perfect situation for being able to play it after dinner and before bed or, you know, before dinner, while, you know, mom can be playing it with the kids while, you know, I'm cooking dinner or, or, you know, vice versa or whatever. And I, I, I honestly think that that particular aspect of the game is one of my favorites, which kind of leads me to start, you know, thinking about asking you questions like the fact, I wonder about, you know, I had just asked you, did the end, like when you discovered that the end of the game was nigh and you were about to be able to ship and finish. Um, To me, when I'm playing the game, because I don't know what you went through to develop it, but when I'm playing the game, there's so much open-ended stuff that like, almost like, I know people hate loose ends, but those loose ends enabled me to weave my own story with this mm-hmm. product, yep. and and I've talked to you about that, and yeah. I put that in the review of the game when I I did the audio version of the review, and I think I yeah. said a few things about that on the written version, but for the listeners that don't know what I you know how I reviewed this, you know one of the things that I do you know or one of the things that I start started to notice when me and my kids were playing is that competition pretty much died. It became within, I think it was the second time we played and somewhere about the third or, you know, the second or third round of that particular game, uh, that I noticed that all of a sudden my son, who is really competitive, even at the young age of eight, he's really competitive and I noticed that he was no longer competitive. He wanted to beat the attack and he didn't care who laid down the card to, to keep ahead of the attack. And my daughter was the same. And, you know, I'm fairly competitive myself and, but I'm not going to compete against my kids. I would rather just let them win. But, you know, I mean, the, the point being is that that open ended nature let me look at this, you know, what was developing around my family as we interacted with this set of cards and organically develop, you know, or, or, or notice that what was organically happening was the dissolution or the dissolving of human nature, like a major part of human nature is competition with each other, whether you're in a family, whether you're young or old, it doesn't really matter. And it just died Mm -hmm. because they all knew that if that attack won, we were all toast. So we are all pulling together, or we are, or if we, for however, however reason, if we could work against each other, we were all going to be toast. And that's exactly what we're in when we're talking about Bitcoin in the real world. Is is did you mean that to happen, or is that completely accidental?
1: Honestly, completely accidental. Um, See, but that's you,
0: so, yeah. But that's beautiful. I mean, that's absolutely beautiful. And that's one of the things that you know, and I hate to harp on it, but the organic, right. You know, the, or, the way that this thing evolves organically in the hands of the player. I mean, cause this ain't the only one, there's a couple other things that I can talk about, but does that as a, because at this point you're kind of a game developer, does that bug you that I'm interacting with your product in a way that you didn't expect? Or is it something that, that, um, is is a good thing for you as a game developer?
1: Oh no, it's an awesome thing. Um, especially, I've heard a lot of um, cool stuff you know over these past few months about people playing. But uh, when you said that first, uh, uh, the first time a few months back around the competition and, and just the way that kind of naturally happened um, while you guys were playing, it's probably one of my favorite things to date that I that I heard. So being able to hear third parties come up with their own thing, it's really just like a um, you know, in the ed tech uh, side of things, we think of them as use cases and, you know, sometimes you're so focused on one thing, you don't think of it, but somebody else is going to think of a use case that, that is amazing because they're coming in it with a fresh set of eyes. And, and that's how I think about this, where it, however you want to interpret things, go ahead. If it's going to benefit, um, then have at it, um, let me know about it. Maybe you can work it into other things and, and go from there. So, no, you know, the more the merrier.
0: Awesome. And, and, and for the for the listeners who also don't know is that at the end of each game, um, I at one point or another, you're going to end up probably with a Bitcoin you know reward. And if you've beat the attack, in which case the entire team of players wins the game, um, then there's a chance to actually look up the Bitcoin price and tell the kids basically how much in fiat terms, which is kind of bad. But I mean, we're in this instant. We're in that interstitial phase between the old legacy financial system, and that's what they understand because they were kind of growing up in it, and this Mm -hmm. new paradigm that's, you know, coming down the pipe. And yet I can look at it and the light in their faces when I said, okay, you've got two Bitcoin, that's $22,000. And the first question my son asked was, Will will that buy me a car? And I said it'll buy you three really cheap cars, or it'll buy you one kind of decent car. And then the next time we played, he had enough. He literally had enough for a Lamborghini, which is one of his <laughs> favorite favorite cars, and is also a well known, well beloved meme in the Bitcoin space. Yep. So, there, so there's that. So there's this. You know, I turned that part of it into the aftermath of the, of the game is over and yet we're not done interacting with your product. And I think, I think that's, you know, if I was creating a product, I would like want that aftertaste and no other game really that I've come in contact with has that aftertaste. Uh, Do you have any response to any of that? Is that like a think that's like cheapening your game or is it strengthening it or is it neutral?
1: Oh no, it's definitely strengthening it. You want that um, that after effect because without it, then eventually everything it's going to fade. Whether it's a game or a, a show you're watching or or anything else, you know, you want to be lingering in the person's head, um, hopefully in a positive way, uh, to get them to to come back. So uh, whether it's using the you know the conversion of two Bitcoin to what is it uh, you know thirteen thousand four hundred bucks or whatever we're sitting at right now, um, yeah. or anything else that's going to kind of put it in the back of that individual's head. Um, then that that's an awesome um, thing to hear because I want, I want the people to play the game as often as they want Um, and that's going to get them to kind of come back.
0: Okay. So now the art, because Mm -hmm. that's a, for me, that's a very large component of this game. And I want to kind of start with the monsters. Was that your idea?
1: Yeah. um, So it was my, I'm definitely not an artist by any stretch of the imagination, um, so, I didn't actually create the monsters, but I did kind of. I knew I started with the fact that once I got off of the whole math concept, um, I started with the fact that I wanted the images to be um, something extremely appealing, um, versatile, engaging, fun, um, and not something that looked too um, kid focused, um, but something that kind of uh, users of all ages could kind of see and enjoy looking at. Um, and kind of once I got that in my head, I started searching around for different examples of, um, things like that, that were out there. I found an, a, uh, a designer that had created some non-Bitcoin, but similar, a style that I liked, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, uh-huh. uh, I came up with kind of a, a document where I laid out my ideas, um, and she was able to, to make them come to life. And I, um, couldn't have been more happy with, with how it all turned out.
0: Well, did, so did you like scour the internet for like images that had already been done for other things and presented Definitely. to her saying something like this?
1: Yeah. I went, I mean, at at the very beginning, I scoured the, the internet, um, uh, you know, for images that may be open source that I could utilize and blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, I, I found images and, um, and then I kind of was able to look through people's uh, portfolio and, and take a look at some of the other designs um, he or she had done. Um, and then uh, focused in on one that I, um, at least I thought, uh, could bring it to life.
0: Well, was that an expensive proposition or was it not as bad as some people might think? It's not. I guess it could have gone in many
1: different directions. Um, in my mind, once I got with this person, it was not as bad as I, um, it, anybody could think. There's a lot of different ways um, you can find those people now, whether it's, um, so there's Fiverr, um, there's 99 Designs, which is where I found uh, this person. Um, there's a few other kind of that gig marketplace type experience where if you wanted to, I mean, you can find things super cheap. Um, I, right. for the prototypes, I actually did that. Um, you know, I had some designs where, um, you know, I'd spend a uh, hundred bucks and they'd come up with something and it, it wasn't going to be good enough for um, what I needed at the end of the day, but it at least allowed me to get something printed to, to start playing around with. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's, depending on what your, your appetite is, Obviously, there's people out there who want to uh, go through and. Sorry about that. No, that's be good. able to, uh, uh, you know, you can find somebody who's going to charge you ten thousand dollars per design, um, but you can also find something a, a lot more economical um, if you really try. It took a while, um, so it's not easy, uh, but it, so, it is time consuming.
0: So, but from what I understand, the, the color scheme, what that did, progenate kind of from you, did yeah. it not, or or am I uh, wrong about yeah.
1: that? So I created the, the color scheme. I started, um, as I think we talked about a few months ago, when you first uh, broached the question, I started with kind of the base layer of the uh, the Bitcoin orange um, and that uh, hex color. And then I used, uh, there's actually a, a site out there. It's called uh, colors.io, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Where you can, you go in there, you can start with nothing um, and just kind of start playing around with it or, or start with one. So I think I started with the one. And then you essentially just keep hitting your space bar and it it keeps rolling out other matches that are in a similar family set. Um, So I did that for a while until I came up with uh, the five or six colors that I wanted to kind of base everything around.
0: Right. So uh, for the listeners, if you don't know what, when he said hex color, we can say that something is orange, but Mm -hmm. dude there's a lot of different kinds of orange. There's, I put a tweet up the other day that showed, you know, the colors of my avatar, which is the Kenny avatar from uh, South park that has an orange coat. And yet there's a prison orange and then there's Bitcoin orange. They're all orange, but all three of them are very, very different. And while that's clear, when we talk about colors, what's not so clear about colors is the way that computers read those colors as in many different ways but one of the most insanely perfect ways to be able to tell somebody exactly what color you're talking about is being able to say hex ff 6660 or something like that and i can't remember exactly what the hex is of the bitcoin color but once you have that hex you know that when you display that particular hex is a color on any other computer system. Even if it looks different on your screen, it's because your screens are are different, but the color will always print the same. And that ends up being really, really important in color space. And the minute you have that hexadecimal color, then you can feed it into color.io and things like that and get complementary colors, tertiary colors, there's all manner of different ways that artists have figured out what colors go with what or what colors go with don't go with each other to the point that you get kind of nauseous looking at it. I mean, it's a whole psychology about this. And that's what the thing about this color scheme that ended up working so really well was that coming from the Bitcoin color, I'm looking at these cards. And the color scheme is it's so unified across greens and blues and reds and obviously oranges and yellows. And I just wanted to bring bring that up is that this is a really important aspect because my kids it wasn't just the art of the monsters. It was the way that the colors of the monsters are blending in with the background of the cards. How long did that take? Um, for me, actually, finding the colors probably didn't. Take
1: too long, you know, because just because it probably would have take me a long time if it wasn't for a platform like uh, Colors, where I could easily kind of swap things in and out and see them side by side. Um, so that really helped the process out. It was probably more time consuming on the uh, the designer's part to be able to really weave those shades into the monsters, the way they um, kind of overlap the uh, the gradients, all those sorts of things. Um, that was probably the most time consuming. The mo- the other time consuming part. On my side, which this is now getting into nitty gritty about colors, but maybe somebody's going to go out there and do something with all this, um, you know. So there's the uh, kind of the RGB hex colors um, that are used on the screens, but then there's also CMYK colors, which right. is really the print side of things. They don't they don't exactly match up. So then you got to worry about okay, well, one thing's looking like this on print, but this on screen. How do we go through those uh, that sort of process? So that was probably the from my side of things, the hardest side where I found a balance between um, what it would look like on the screen, because obviously people are going to be coming to the website. Um, they're going to be uh, looking at things there versus uh, what it's actually going to look like when it gets in somebody's hand and, and making sure that, uh, that that cohesiveness was there.
0: Right. Speaking of hand, what led you to go with, with what I can only assume is the one of the highest quality card stocks that I've seen?
1: Uh, I just, I wanted it to, to last as long as possible. I didn't want somebody to, to get it in the mail and think it was just um, somebody on the other side of the, the internet who's trying to um, profit off of Bitcoin in some way and doesn't actually care what's going on. Um, so I, you know, was very intentional in trying to make sure that when it, when it got in somebody's hands, um, it felt like a million bucks or a million Bitcoin, I guess I should say. <laughs> uh, and and uh, that they knew that there was you know, love and care and passion behind um, where it came from. And so actually at the uh, the manufacturer I worked with, they had recommended a, um, a, a lower gradient um, of card stock originally that they said most of their people used. Um, but it, I upped it um, uh, to the next kind of highest one just to get to make sure that, you know, that, that was the feeling people had.
0: Yeah. And the minute that I, I pulled that deck out and, you know, spread those, spread those cards out in my hand, and I could feel the stiffness behind them and I, it, it automatically telegraphed to me. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not holding something that was just thrown together. It just screams, you know, excellent production from, from, you know, start to finish. And then we started playing the game and, that's when you know, like we'd already talked about the game mechanics and the organic, you know, the the threads that come off of it and all the, the weaving and stuff that that goes into the interaction of the family with the game. But man, I mean, just feeling the weight of the cards in my hand, I'm like, I, I felt, you know, professional decks of of playing cards for Vegas before, and even those things didn't have the solid feel of these. And there's there's something that that is really communicative about the people that are producing that product and its weight and feel in your hands. And I gotta tell you, I'm really glad that you went with the cardstock you did, although I'm sure it's probably fairly expensive. <laughs> <It> <laughs> so there's always, there, there's, there's always, a drawback. But, yeah, there's right. the drawback, but man, it really does scream I'm not messing around here. Um, yeah, I'm so makes going?
1: makes me happy that, you know, you and, and other people have said that, so it makes it worth it. Uh, no
0: doubt. So I, yeah, I didn't think that I would be the only one that would be picking up on, on what you were putting down with those, with those cards. If sorry, put <laughs> um, marketing, uh, how did, when you first started marketing this thing, where did you start? So you got, so you got the game, you got the game mechanics. Now, now you take it to the next stage and you get it produced. And then you, all of a sudden you end up with a box of cards. Are you standing around going the hell do I do now? Or did you have a plan <laughs> from the, from the very beginning there?
1: Yeah. My, my plan was kind of, uh, uh keep it simple kind of gorilla viral marketing as much as possible. And um, I didn't you know, obviously just kind of being a, a self uh, project, uh, to try to get off the, the ground running. I didn't have a lot of money to throw behind it to do any sort of formal marketing. So I said, okay, this going back to my original idea where I wanted to have more involvement in the space, um, I had never been super active on Twitter um, as far as engaging. So I just started reaching out to people. That's how you and I got originally connected um, and just sending messages and, and, and diving into conversations. And, um, you know, 99% of the people that you come in contact with um, are are excited to hear what you have to talk about obviously and there's a few that um you know tell you to kick rocks but whatever um they can uh go on with their their probably unhappy day anyways um but for the people like yourself um, and the others that have been so gracious to, to hear me out from the beginning even before you had um, a game in your hands um and then uh, kind of see it through i just kind of and that's to this day um, i've never paid a dollar for for any sort of marketing um, I guess outside of uh, shipping those uh, games off to BitBlockBoom, Boom, uh, which is completely worth it, but as far as the reach goes, it's it's been 100% me on Twitter.
0: See that, and and there's something really important about that, you know, especially because where I think it's, you know, where it's telling. I think as where we are in the space as 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 a group of people that just. If, if my Twitter follows just today or any indication is just getting bigger, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's almost as if we're like, all of us are like, just damned if we do something that doesn't bring us any money now, because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And that was sort of like the the aspect that I've been taking a lot with some of the other, you know, because it's not, you know, I've talked about bit piggies. I, mm-hmm. I, I did a little bit of thing on the the ledger stuff and, you know, constantly talking about Open Dime. And, you know, I mean, I I, I the thing about it is that in any other space, people would think you were out of your freaking mind for <laughs> giving your time over to, you know, talk about somebody who you've never met about a product that you're excited about that you've never played, but you know enough about it that, you know, you're excited and you're willing, you know, if you got a mouth and you can talk about it and some, you know, more than two people, you got more than two people that you can rub together to listen to. And all of a sudden you get this viral marketing stuff and it's rampant in this space. And I, I honestly think it may take a long time, but I honestly believe it'll pay off. I, I mean, it's totally. paying off. I think it's paying off in spades for some people. I think it'll pay off in spades for like other people later on. But again, you know, we're in this weird, we're in this weird thing where all the rules seem to have melted away or at least all the old rules. And now it's like, we probably used to do this as human beings with human interactions, you know, hundreds of, you know, or thousands of years ago and just forgot. how to be decent with each other and how to help each other. it's, it's almost as if like before COVID hit, it was the height of, unless you got money to pay me, you can forget about any of my time.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And And especially if you're trying to uh, be seen as a competitor. So, I mean, you brought up BitPiggies. Um, uh, Fireface is one of the uh, initial people that actually, you know, I reached out to him. Uh, on Twitter, responded to me. We were able to to set up a Zoom back in you know March, April, whenever it was. um He was gracious enough to, c- to connect, tell me a little bit about how he's um, pushed Bitpiggies out and um, other things. Happy to hear questions and um, you know, like you said, and other people might have said, you know, well, hell no, why would I, why would I help you? You're you're trying to compete in the same space that I am. But going back to our what we talked about before, you know, it's it's Shamari, it's Bitpiggies, it's Sats Ledger what else is there? You know, we're in it together. Um, and let's just help each other and and push it out and, or podcasts like yourself or any of the other ones that I've been on. It's been awesome.
0: Yeah. And I've been, I've been really happy that I could, you know, and, and I, I mean, I hope that some of the things that I've done has helped you, you know, do your stuff. And that's, you know, one of the things about, um, the possibility of like, you know, you know, not, I was about to say reparations. That's not where I was going. I was saying like, you help me now and I'll help you later kind of thing where we're all like, it's sort of like, you know, two people trying to like to see a scene where two people have interlocked arms and they're both of their, they're in opposite directions and they're both walking up a wall. But you have to have both people pushing against their respective walls Mm -hmm. to not fall down. And I think that that's where we're all at right now is that we're literally building this thing from the ground up in a way that I don't think is, I've never seen it before. So I hope that I've been helpful for, for some shamery sales. <laughs>
1: no, you've definitely been helpful. Um, you know, every every tweet, every review, every just little mention of it, no matter when it is, it just, it puts it in the back of somebody's head. They may not go buy it today. Um, somebody might listen to this podcast and maybe they buy it six months from now, or they, they go find somebody who has it and they play it with them then or whatever yeah. it is. I don't care. However you get
0: yeah. it. Yeah. It, it and t- just Bitcoin itself, it takes like three slaps in the face from it to actually get for it to get your attention, you know? Yeah. And I think that's with anything, honestly. Yeah, totally. Um, one of the most important aspects of this game that I, I think is, be, you know, um, not talked about enough is it's, stem authentication stem being science technology engineering and mathematics unless i got mm-hmm. that wrong yep can you tell me kit first of all what's your view of stem in general not your authentication but yeah. stem in general can you explain what that is and what it means
1: yeah so you kind of um, in simple terms you know you've got that that acronym right and then it really I guess with the day, the way the world is going, STEM is ultimately probably going to be just about everything. Um, You know, when we think about how we're going to keep living our lives in a a more and more digital space, but um, it's that ability to weave back in an individual's skills, knowledge, abilities um, to the alignment of science, technology, education and math and activities around how to kind of continue to continually upskill, whether you're a, a fifth grader or a 50 year old uh, that learning process uh, really never stops today. And being able to, to kind of see that um, through in various ways is, is what's very important, um, really, is uh, going back to earlier on we were talking, it doesn't have to happen in the classroom, the traditional classroom. Um, it just lets get that um, STEM education. It could be through Shamari, It could be through the, uh, the gamification like we were talking about earlier as well. There's, there's definitely um, uh, STEM video games out there that are authenticated. Um, And it's just that process of um, uh, weaving everything back to an end goal, um, no matter what that end goal may be.
0: Have you ever heard of the acronym STEAM? Yes. So it's just that that would just be the addition of art Art, in science. And what do you think about that addition? I mean, some people actually kind of get an allergic reaction to it going, (laughs) oh, God. But like people like me, I'm like, no without art, again, like, like your, like your card game, there is a logic behind it. There's like, there's real logic behind that. And logic is one of the base, base, you know, methods of not only science, not only technology, not only engineering, but math itself is built off of this and that both must be true if the whole statement is going to be true. So that, you know, with all that said, Without art, it seems that, you know, we get like an architecture. Architecture is one of the most ex- extreme instances of engineering, science, technology, and, and mathematics. And yet architecture itself can either go really brutalism, like uh, housing blocks in the Soviet Union or the projects in Chicago, or it can be absolutely spectacularly beautiful with other architects and I'm of the opinion that art that it I'm not saying that we should say steam. I'm just saying that I don't think people should be having an allergic reaction because art is mentioned alongside of that, which is clearly technical. Is that something you agree with or or disagree with?
1: No, I totally agree. And I mean, I think all your points are valid or even think about um, uh, the way math is used in art. So if you're a graphic designer, when um, you're in you know um, adobe illustrator creating something you need to you know figure out uh, the number of pixels or the dimensions and, and all that sort of stuff well that, that's all a form of math um, that you're bringing back into the creative art that you're you're bringing to life on a, a web page or whatever it may be or an actual um you know print uh, copy of something so no i've no issue at all with with art being thrown in there
0: so t- can you tell me about the authentication process, or not only the process, but first of all, let's start with what, is it, what does it mean that that, that Shamari got stem.org authenticated?
1: Yeah. So um, it really means that so stem.org, um, they're kind of the, um, the gatekeepers, if you will. Of uh, the STEM universe, when it comes to products like this, and going out and, and authenticating things, so they have um, authenticated, I believe, just shy of about three thousand uh, or so products that are in the marketplace um, today. You know, everything from uh, uh, the card game of Uno, as an example, that we probably all is out there. Um, you know, things that have been around for a long time, um, where they can go through and, and give that seal of approval. So that's kind of their role in the space. They've been around since early, uh, 2000s, I believe, 2002, 2003, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they not only authenticate products, um, they can also, um, authenticate, uh, schools, uh, to be kind of a, a STEM accredited type school, um, or, or teachers or educators can also get accreditation. So that's kind of, their three different buckets on this side of things that they, they fit in. Um, and,
0: well, I was just going to ask, is this something that you already knew about, or was this something that came upon you by a third party? Hey, you got to get STEM authenticated. It sounds like you probably already knew about it.
1: Yeah, so it actually came about from my, uh, my full-time job at Journey's Map. So we were starting to do some work with um, uh, the, the STEM.org group um, and the CEO over there, Andrew. Um, and in one of the calls we were on, he brought up um, something around blockchain. I forget what. Um, So in the conversation, it was uh, before I'd actually uh, gotten the first run done, but I was at the beginning stages of making that happen. So I mentioned to him that I was about to release a a game around Bitcoin and uh, the way the Bitcoin blockchain works and sent him over some information about it. And um, he thought it was awesome, um, passed along um, the rest of the details that they needed to to go through that approval process for his team um, and then uh, got it approved.
0: What, was it a long approval process? I mean, was it weeks or was I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you had to send in the rules and a card game and let them kind of go through it. Yeah, so it was probably about a month
1: in total from um, when I sent everything in to uh, to getting uh, an email um, saying that that you got it. The other cool thing um, that uh, is out there is if you, and you can see this on, on the blog section, if you go to the blog where, the, um, I have, where I talk about this, if you click on the actual uh, visual of the, uh, the authentication, it'll actually take you to the um, the blockchain version of that authentication. So they house all their credentials on a, uh-huh. a blockchain of their own, which um, is just kind of a cool little crossover factor there. Um, but yeah, yeah, probably about uh, three or four weeks. Uh,
0: okay. So now that you've been authentic, like and you got authenticated like a few months back, it's been a while. Yeah.
1: It was probably, so been, yeah. yeah. So I would say July or so because it happened after my print run had already been sent off. So for all the uh, the decks that, the original decks, you get a STEM sticker on the outside, whereas I just actually sent off a, another run to do to actually have the uh, the STEM seal on the actual, printed on the actual box.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at both my both my copies and the one that I got directly from you, I don't remember that being STEM authenticated, but the one I yep. got from Bitbock Boom, I, I is yet unopened, Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm keeping that one. I'm, I'm keeping that <laughs> one. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, know, I, might, I might wrap that thing in foil. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> uh, I've only yeah. had
1: one person ask me to autograph it. So that was one request that came in. So that was the first time happening too.
0: Oh, you know, I should do that. Cause I got Jan Prisker's book as a door prize <laughs> at block, block boom. And it was autographed. It was, it just came that way. Cause Jan, you know, I don't think, Jan, I'm not sure if Jan was there or not. That thing was like a blur. <laughs> It was the only I'm Bitcoin perfect. conference of the year that people could actually meet, and it was it was so much fun that Jan may have been there, and I just didn't even know, man. Yep. But uh, you, but okay. Now that we're going through the STEM stuff, you've got you've got news, yep. right?
1: Yep. So uh, breaking news. Um, it'll be out to the world here soon, but I can uh, drop it here. So. Uh, Coming um, in uh, early November, uh, Newsweek is releasing their top uh, STEM products of 2021, um, 65 of them. um, And they selected, um, they, along with the the group at STEM.org, so it's a a joint partnership, um, selected uh, Shamari as one of the top products. So out of about 3,000 products, uh, the top 65 are going to be listed in their double edition Newsweek, That hits uh, newsstands, I believe, on the 30th of October and uh, digital on the 6th or the 7th of November. Um, And so extremely excited to be part of that kind of special um, uh, category within the the STEM community.
0: Well, just, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, man, dude, Newsweek, I mean, that's a lot of readership. I mean, your, your products, you know, your products is, is going to be in front of, you know, millions, millions of readers, because again, STEM is, you there, there are people on both sides of the fence that think, you know, I've, I've talked to people that are like, I hate STEM. And I'm like, why on earth can you hate STEM? And they're like, (laughs) they're sucking all the funding from whatever. And I'm like, dude, deal it'll, you know, things, pendulum swing, just, you just wait, you know, and. But, uh, you know, and, and, but I'm like, I'm, a, you know, I, I do like the STEM thing and right now that's the best marketing you can get. So Scott, congratulations on getting into Newsweek.
1: Oh, thanks a bunch. Yeah. They, um, super excited. Um, and you know, like you said, it's a bunch of eyeballs. I think it's about uh, 60 million or so between digital and print, um, yeah. that they typically get. So who knows what, what wave will come, you know, whether it's one or 100 or 1000, I don't really care. Um, but to me, um, it's part of slowly seeing that shift into the traditional, uh, whether traditional media, traditional education, seeing the uh, the relevance of things like uh, you know Bitcoin and, and trying to weave into that space, which, like I said, I have a, a long history of being in the ed tech side of things. I know the ins and outs of how the K-12 system particularly works. Um, it's not always fun, highly political, like you just said, right. funding. Um, the last thing I ever want to hear is schools talking about not having money because there's plenty of money for them. They just don't know yeah. how to use it. Um, and guess what? One way to great one great way to use it is if you want to buy a few shamari games for me and integrate it into your classroom.
0: Right. Yeah. You, uh, yeah absolutely. I, I totally agree. And it's like you know, same thing with taxes. It's like, man, you guys have you have my money. Why don't you spend it well? That's like <laughs> it's not that you don't have enough. It's that you don't care about taking the time to learn how to spend it. Well, we have to, why yeah. don't y'all, you know, whether it's schools, government, any, you know, any public institution or private institution for that matter is they just don't yeah. know how to spend their money anymore. I'm,
1: but they to, they're not worried about it. They, they, they it it's, just yeah. keep coming.
0: <laughs> it's the, in, yeah, the inlet, the money printer go burr. And as long as it's going burr, then they really, I mean, you know, they don't care. Yeah, exactly. But we have children things to talk about. My son wants to ask you a question, although unlike Princey and his <laughs> podcast, I'm not going to actually get my kids and, and, and do that. <laughs> we'll
1: leave that to Lauren.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So DeForest wants to know, he loves the monsters. He mm-hmm. loves the colors. He likes television. <laughs> when TV show. Exactly. No,
1: I can mention to you a while back, that's definitely a part of that longer term roadmap and trying to figure out how to make that happen. And, you know, I guess part of that goes back, you know, if we could steal some of that uh, funding that's going to the government and to, to schools, then we can make that come to life faster. But essentially, you know, I definitely see whether it's a, an actual TV show or some sort of like uh, you know, YouTube version of things to put together. Um, I think there's ways to be able to make that happen and, and get engagement through that more kind of digital medium um, whether it's through a, a show uh, you know a movie uh, going back to the gamification but you know video games or or that sort of thing so that's also part of the reason why i wanted them whatever characters came to life and they turned out to be monsters um, mm-hmm. i wanted to, them to be so cool that i could whether it's myself or by partnering um, with other groups that do this sort of thing be able to you know work with them to be able to say okay you know i've got the um the coolness of the characters you guys have got the expertise of creating a show or creating a game. Let's merge those two things together and have it come to life in a whole new way. So, um, I tell your son, knock on wood, hopefully uh, that does happen one day and, and you guys will be the first to know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he also wanted to know if you would hire him because he's going to make an awesome TV show.
1: I think he definitely would can be hired and be part of the review panel um, to make sure that that things come to life properly. Yeah.
0: But, you know, except that the fact that we'll all be put in jail because of child labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> True. Now, my daughter wants to know something that that I also was wondering about was, is there going to be a sequel to this game?
1: Yeah. So I, I do actually have other ideas. I, I wouldn't say I'm close to actually putting any of them to, to life, uh, but other ways um, that things can go, you know, simple. Uh, you know There can be obviously extending packs and, and kind of make the, the chain go longer. That's an easy one. But um, other games around how um, the monsters and uh, cards can be used, um, there's some things in the back of my head um, that maybe can, can roll out sooner than, say, a, a video game or, or a TV show.
0: Yeah, and I'm I am more about the the question of expansion packs rather than sequels. Although I think me and my daughter are you know pretty much of the same mind. She just doesn't know what word to use because I'm like going, look, you've got this base game, and yeah. there's be, because of those open ends, you've got plug, you've got. I mean, if I can make my own rules or I can make my own presentations, given the the. And I don't want to say ragged edges because I'm making a dig at you. I like Mm -hmm. the ragged edges. Mm -hmm. I think that gives us space or not us, you, space to grow. And I can Mm -hmm. say things like, I'm going to be I, I know how to make the, you know, end of the game not be an awe situation as much as, okay, now we're going to calculate how much money you got and we can talk about how many motorcycles you can buy, or we can talk about the, the crippling of, you know, one-on-one competition and the, you know, the extension of, of teamwork you know to to get through the attack and all that those things that's the for me that's the ragged edges and that gives me a place to actually weave my own story into and if i can weave my own story into it then god forbid there's got to be a plug in that or or that has to be able to to function as a plug in to be able to say i got an expansion pack yeah. is would it be more i think it would be more plausible for expansion than quote unquote Sequel,
1: yeah, I think definitely expansion is um, much more easily done. Um, you know, even think about uh, a game like Cards Against Humanity, um, that's kind of part of what they've built in there, where you can go right. buy the the base deck of, of it, but then um, you can go off and buy a bunch of different versions to, to keep expanding on top of it. So, you know, I, I definitely see the value there and um, being able to, to make that come to life, um, and you know, create more monsters. I guess that'd be part of it, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh assets are assets are always always good do i have i'm looking at my list here um hold on for just a sec oh yeah okay you know we haven't really talked about you know this is bitcoin and and we haven't really talked about bitcoin i mean we you know (laughs) clearly the game is centered on it clearly we're both bitcoiners is in the future with an you know with I would say I'm not going to say expansion pack because that automatically means cards, physical cards. Is there a possibility is there is there a way to weave actual bitcoin rewards into future versions or expansions of this game that may be physical or but I mean physical would be really hard to do without stuff like open times. Yeah, but like a digital version that you could play online and and possibly yeah. you know maybe hook up with the guys over at mint gox for esports and turn it into digital and tap yeah. into a lightning network type thing
1: no definitely and actually i just um I know in case you uh, you might not have seen it but last weekend when uh, mint gox had their uh competition Shamari was uh, the prize for the top place finisher um, nice so- was able to do that, or um, Jack over at Thunder Games, which I know um, uh, works alongside Met Gox. So um, that's, those concepts I'm definitely interested in, or even thinking about, uh, I guess I would also think about as being similar to um, people going in and spinning the, the wheel on fold and being able to, to get Bitcoin rewards like that. So that sort of gamification um, and being able to come to life where if there is a an app version of Shamari, whether it's this exact game or some variation of it, um, that can then be connected to, like you said, getting sats back. Um, that'd be sweet.
0: Yeah. So in, in that sense, I guess the, like, you know, one of the last questions I want to ask you is, um, are, I mean, are you, a like, did you grow up playing video games? I mean, what do you, and I'm, I'm centering on video games at this point. Um, what's your, General thing about video games at this point, you like yeah. when we were growing up, and versus now. I mean, is there, you know, where, where are you at on that?
1: Yeah, so I definitely grew up playing video games. So I was from the, you know, I remember getting my first Nintendo. Uh, I actually remember uh, getting my first Atari for people who know what Atari is. Um, uh, I know actually,
0: what Atari is. Exactly. I had an Atari four hundred.
1: Yep, and there's actually still an Atari over in the the closet at my mom's house, so I could go dig it out somewhere. Um, so Atari, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, um, but quite honestly, I, I probably haven't played a video game in 20 years. Um, so that side of things isn't something that really hooked on um, for you know longevity. Obviously, I think they're, they're fun and whatever, but um, I, it was probably the video game probably started dying down as um, I was a baseball player growing up. So as the, the baseball activities picked up um, throughout that layer of, of childhood and, and growing into adulthood, um, but, uh, nonetheless, you know, games are always fun um, in any sense of the, the imagination. So that's, that's part of where it all came from.
0: See, and th- but the reason I was getting at that was like, given your history with video games, cause it's like, even if you started out with, you know, an Atari 400 mm-hmm. and you went, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, the, pretty much yeah. the pathway that we all, yep. you know, that we all it went. Was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, it wasn't really until the MMOs or the, you know, MMOs and RTS that I started looking at, you know, internal economies as going, okay, this, you know, it, at, well, at the time, it made clear sense, but it was like pretty much a walled garden and I didn't ask any questions. So I'm like, okay, this is their own economy and blah, blah, blah. But when Bitcoin hit, And I first, like I I got slapped my third time and I was like, oh, now I get it. One of the very first things that I, you know, started thinking of is like, holy crap, this is what should have been the economy of video games that had economies that Mm -hmm. tried to have economies from the get-go. They just didn't have it. And what, I mean, and it's okay if you don't, but do you have a view on the possibility of, you know, or not possibility because it's going to happen no matter what we want. But what's your thoughts on Bitcoin in video games going forward? Future, no future, important, not important.
1: Oh, I think it definitely has a future. Um, Anytime you can reward someone with, at least in my mind, you can reward someone with something of extreme value. That's going to just keep sucking them in more and more. And the more people who are in that space realize that um, they're just going to keep creating layers on top of, of that in very cool and, and fun and innovative ways. Um, you know, no different than now, you know, we see the, um, uh, you know, the fold card coming out and then I, you know, whatever coin, Coinbase was coming out with some uh, not as good version of that. I think they announced mm-hmm. yesterday, yesterday and um, you know, similar, similar type thing where we one player, uh, they, they get the, uh, the herd in. The other players are going to start sucking the, the other people in so i think you know groups like gox and, and thunder games and the others that are out there they're going to be the ones that, that start bringing people in and then these other groups are going to layer down there just so happens that uh, san diego is a really big um, community for um, the video game design, uh, developers so rockstar games and a few other ones um, are right in my my back uh, neck of the woods my my brother-in-law is actually a, a lead developer at Rockstar, um, so I have some of that. In my no family. way, really? Yeah, so he's a he was uh, Red Dead and Redemption Two and Grand Theft Auto. Um, so it's it's a, a phone call away.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it was just it was so funny talking to uh, <clears throat> to Samson, Mo, and and Wayne last night because I was discovering that they'd worked for you know Epic or not Epic but Ubisoft relic and they have, uh, people that they've hired from BioWare Mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm like, you're, you're talking about conservatively top 10 video game manufacturers over the last three decades, Mm -hmm. you know, at at any given time, but you're also, I mean, non-conservatively let's be real. You're talking about top five. I had no idea how deep these people were into (laughs) Yeah, and these and both these guys, you know, Samson and Wayne, <clears throat> are talking about eleven years into Relic, you, and, <laughs> and Samson was game balancer over at Ubisoft for a while. Uh, it's like, and it, it which makes sense because, you know, Samson being the chief strategy officer over at Blockstream, you know, it, it makes sense to have somebody who's who's used to balancing games which is game theory which is one of the very cores of this entire thing that makes sense so the that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you you know today like I wanted to talk to them last night was there's I'm starting to develop a real fascination with how bitcoin is going to you know change the way gaming is done mm-hmm. and how we can bring real economies into games that aren't just stupid little tokens that they can pass into the game propagate in the game and then pass out with that information of the game into a public market that's not inside the game that the walled garden now crumbles yep. when we talk about this when we talk about these technologies of economics that have just now like is just now ten years old, and I'm like, you know, it just the the whole thing is fascinating. But we are coming up on one hour and sixteen minutes of interview, and I know <laughs> you've got things to do. So um, I want to make sure that the listeners know how to get a hold of you. Um, Twitter's probably the best way. Can you tell the listeners what uh, uh, handles they should be looking out for?
1: Of course. Um so my personal handle is Scott M Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y. So feel free to find me directly there. Or uh the Shamari handle is play Shamari. Um so those are both ways that you can come in and interact, and um, DMs are both on a, open on both sides of things. So love the engagement in any form, so feel free to reach out. Or if you want to go old school and email, um Scott at Shamari.com um, is the another way you can reach me, and, and obviously the website is shamori.com. Um, and that goes for, you know, individuals or um, even if you're, you're a company out there in the space and you're looking to differentiate yourself by providing a, an education type tool as a, a marketing um, swag um, to your audience. Um, That's something I'm interested in exploring as well. So being able to, to put your brand um, on the box and instead of getting a, a cheap USB drive, um, give somebody the, the gift of actually Bitcoin education and Bitcoin fun. Um, feel free to reach out.
0: Yeah, Scott, I, we, we, I totally forgot to, okay. to talk about that one. Let's that go before, before we end this one, let's go through that again. It's important enough to know uh, more about that uh, yeah. for for the listeners, because since we're at the end of the show, it may be where people are like going, okay, we're almost at the end of the show. I can stop actually, you know, devoting neuro neuronal energy to this thing. Go through that again. Uh, the fact that you're using your, your, you're now leveraging your product against, uh, other, you know, like being able to put it out into the hands of other people as either, you know, swag or, and I hate to say that word because it's yeah. so demeaning, but you get yep. what I'm saying and yep. being able to, you know, kind of co-brand there. Can you go through that? Yeah.
1: yeah so, um, I guess the short of it is that I see the value in, in what I've created here as being a tool that others can also use, as well and helping to, to differentiate what they're trying to do and engaging with their audience. Um, and uh, based on the, some of the studies I've read, if somebody goes to, let's just use a traditional conference um, and they're walking through the tables and, you know, they're getting a, a t-shirt and a pencil and a USB drive. Um, the top thing that somebody aggregate um, gravitates to at these sorts of things are things they can take back to their kids. Um, obviously a game like this is, is, fits that scope perfectly. Um, and then it goes in my mind above that because it's also an education type product. Um, so if there's a, a company out there that is interested in leveraging um, uh, the game to be able to, to hand out, whether it's at a conference or, or mailing to prospects or who, just introducing to investors who've never heard about Bitcoin, um, I think the options are endless. Or even um, I haven't been able to connect with anybody yet, but if you're out there listening, um, if you're a, a group like um uh, that started to accept uh, Bitcoin um, at your restaurant um, or at your uh, liquor store, like the few that have come out um, over the past few weeks. And you want to be able to, to sell Shamri as part of, um, you know, at the cash register um, and kind of work Bitcoin into the ecosystem like that. Happy to, to get you some games, even as a test run, you can have some for free. Um, put them out there and, and see where they go. Um, but I think it, there's a lot of things that we can work together and do from uh, uh, various companies.
0: Uh, excellent. This has been very informative and a, a lot of fun, Scott. And I, I, I do appreciate your time. Thank you for taking so much time out of your day to come onto the show today and tell us all about Shamari and where it's been and what it is and where it's going. This, uh, these things... These products are more important than I think people are aware of. I honestly I I really do. I, I just I think that the the way that we're building this from the ground up with honestly, it's like everybody in this space is trying to figure out immediately anything that they can do because they know claiming the namespace is one of the most important things that they can do. And when I see really good products that are really well balanced and really well put together come out of this space inside of 10 years, because it's not just that it's like, you know, we're 10 years in and all like all of a sudden we're starting to see these products drop, Mm -hmm. you know, over the last two years. And I'm like going, oh my God, if we're just now I mean at first it was t-shirts and stickers and, and stuff, <laughs> but now we got like people like you and Novak, you know, with the open dime and cold card. We got you know fart face with BitPiggies, we've got you know the SATS ledger ledger, oh. um <clears throat> any manner of educational resources, the whole space is just blowing up. And I just I just hope that I see that you're able to produce a lot more. Oh, like as we move through through this entire space and again, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on and telling us about all this stuff and your views on, you know, the more esoteric and philosophical manners of Bitcoin gaming and, you know, product uh development. So, Scott, thank you. I appreciate I- it.
1: No, and it's uh, likewise, like, like I said, you started talking about Shamri before you even had it in your hand just from me reaching out to you on Twitter. So I, I truly, truly thank you for your uh, support and I guess faith before even having a chance to play it from day one and, and the ongoing uh, discussion around it, uh, playing uh, uh, it with your kids uh, at Bitbox Boom. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, anybody who's listening, if you want to go to the website, use uh, the code and 10 and you'll get 10% off um, your order. So feel free to to use that to your heart's content. Um, and uh, David, I, I truly appreciate the, the support of yourself and, and your kids.
0: <laughs> hey, man, we're going to see you on the other side, dude. Of course. really want to thank scott for <clears throat> coming in and and doing that interview that was uh that was he's was really really gracious with his time and i i i for one very much appreciate him telling us all about the some of the history of that game and and some of the stuff they had to go through to get that thing out and what he's what he's doing now congratulations on the news Newsweek uh thing scott i just you know that makes me really happy to see now before we sign off uh, it's come to my attention that the kid from Pokemon uh, fame, Ash Ketchum, is actually referred to as Satoshi in Japan. Who knew? Who knew? I... Who the hell told me that? Oh, oh, uh, Molly, Molly Spires, I think is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she is at Coin, Coin Corner Molly, M-O-L-L-Y. But yeah, she brought that to everybody's attention today, and I... I double-checked, and according to Bulbapedia, this is, in fact, correct. Uh, Ash Ketchum, in Japanese, is Satoshi, is the main character of the Pokemon anime. So, fun fact. Hey, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.